You are now listening to the Cruise Control Podcast here on SoundCloud and iTunes. I am your host, Randy Cruz. You can follow me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. Trevor Lane, senior writer for Lakers Nation and the host of the Lakers Nation Podcast is now joining me. Trevor, what's up, my man? How you doing? Hey, Randy, thanks for having me on the show. really appreciate it. No problem, man. Uh, definitely appreciate it. First of all, um, it is like, what, 70 in L.A. right now. You're probably having a good time. It's sunny. It's hot. And over here in New York, it is 35, my man, 35. I, that's that's, uh, that's a little brutal. <laughs> yeah, I can't complain much about the weather here, but, uh, yeah, 35 already. Winter is, is coming for you guys. Uh, I know that they were just showing a uh, a little video on the Lakers Twitter feed of Lakers players getting off the plane in Milwaukee, and it's it's freezing out there. Their breath is freezing in the air, and I'm just shaking my head and thinking, man, glad I'm not there right now. <laughs> wow, man. Yeah, you know, it's, it's been the weather here has been, you know, holding up. We had a few 50s and 60s, even damn near 70s, all the way up till November. So I, I can't complain, but, you know, the – the real November <laughs> is finally showing up up here, man. <laughs> so it it reared its ugly head, but uh, but that's okay. You know, the holidays are coming up and everything, so it's always a fun time of year. We're chatting with Trevor Lane, senior writer for Lakers Nation and the host of the Lakers Nation podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Um, let's talk about the the LA Lakers uh again I know it's very early in the season but you know we like to make assumptions or whatever the case may be so for what you've been able to see so far with the Lakers um are there any good surprises or bad surprises for you Oh yeah I think the the best surprise so far and I mean it's a shocker is how good they've been defensively and it's it's yet to be seen if that's going to hold up throughout the entire season. Mm-hmm. But at this point, they have been in the top ten in defensive rating for the the first twelve games here of the season, which is incredible considering they were dead last in defensive rating last year. So we know that Luke Walton spent the first week or pretty much all of training camp just focusing on defense. He didn't even worry about really installing an offense or doing anything like that. And the results have have shown. I mean, they've They've done really well on that end of the floor. Again, it's early, so hopefully that will continue. I don't know if they're really going to finish as a top-10 defensive team, but so far that's what they've managed to achieve. And I have to say that's that's pretty impressive at this stage considering where they were last year. And right now, uh, as we tape this, they are 5-7, and seven, uh, 11th in the Western Conference. The Western Conference has been really – different competitive this year you know the, the the Warriors are you know they're not first they're second you got teams like San Antonio uh at, at fifth Oklahoma City Thunder with Paul George Westbrook and, and Melo you know 12th you know your Lakers are, are above them uh, and other surprising teams in the um in, in in the Western Conference but uh aside from the Lakers um what teams have surprised you so far in the Western Conference for the good and the bad? Well, I think the Minnesota Timberwolves have certainly been been impressive. I mean, they've they've had a nice run here. You know, we know they they lost to the the Warriors, but you know, a lot of people lose to the Warriors, so can't fault them too much for that. I mean, they're a, a team that's coming together with some new pieces coming into play with 
with Jimmy Butler coming in, but but still, that's um, they've been on a nice run so far, and you know there were a lot of people who were saying that they, this was going to be like a 50-win team this season, which would be quite a jump from them. But so far, so good. I mean, they've they've had a really strong showing. So yeah, they're they're certainly a team to watch. Uh, on the downside, of course, not going to make Lakers fans too upset. The Oklahoma City Thunder have not not looked great. They're dropping right. some games recently. Dropped one to the the Kings. Um, yeah, not uh, not a good start for the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're having some trouble incorporating some of their new pieces, including Carmelo Anthony and, of course, Paul George, which Lakers fans have got to be kind of rooting for, hoping that they don't have too much too much success. Because, of course, we're hoping that Paul George will leave there next summer and will come to Los Angeles, which is going to be a little bit easier to convince him to leave if the Thunder have a tumultuous season that isn't filled with a lot of success. Right. Now, you know, usually when I have you on, I, I tend to talk about the Lakers um, throughout the entire show. But, you know, sometimes I like to ask you about different teams in the East and West. So, so far right now, OKC is 4-7. and seven. They lost um, last night in Denver, I believe. Um, what are the, the main two, three things going wrong with the Thunder right now so far? Oh, you know what? You're right. It was Denver that they that they lost to. For some reason, I was thinking it was the the Kings that they just lost to. It was Denver that they that they just lost to. Um, you know what? As far as what's what's going wrong with them, it seems like they are they're just trying to make sure that they get everybody enough shots, and they're trying to make sure that that Westbrook gets his and Paul George gets his and Carmelo Anthony gets his. You know, a few days ago, I saw a stat that they all three of them were all shooting about 17 shots per game. They were all taking about the exact same amount. Mm-hmm. And as great as equality can be and sharing the ball can be and everything, sometimes you need somebody just to go and, and take over. So I think those three guys are just kind of struggling to figure out what their place is, who is it that's going to be taking the, the shots, and at what point of the game and all that. They haven't quite figured out the fit just yet. And, of course, early on in the season, you're prone to some fluctuation. You're going to have some... So just some outlier results where because everything's brand new, teams are, are still trying to figure out what they're going to do on the offensive end, and then things get, get kind of mixed up. And, and that's what we're seeing from them so far. And, and the same is true on the defensive end. There, there can be missed, uh, missed rotations and things like that. So we're just seeing some growing pains. I mean, it's possible as the season goes on, if they continue to struggle, if we're getting to the midway point, and they're still not just not reaching their ceiling, then maybe we can start saying that those three guys together, Mello, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook, mm. just aren't necessarily a great fit together. But I think it's too early for that right now. Right now we can just say they're, they're having some growing pains. and I mean, the talent is there, so I would suspect that at some point they're going to get things back on track, but it just hasn't happened yet. And I'm pretty sure there are some uh, Laker fans out there that are, are just hoping that uh, the Thunder don't don't win a championship, don't go far in the playoffs because Paul George is a free agent after this year. And maybe somehow, somewhere, the Lakers could try to entice Paul George to come here next summer, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there are three big free agents that are that will be on the market next summer, mm. and that's LeBron James, Paul George, and DeMarcus Cousins. And after that, there's a little bit of a drop-off. So, with there only being three, and the Lakers have been rumored to be after two max slots, they want to have enough cap space to sign two of those guys. Uh, that's uh, there's little margin for error for the Lakers. So if a team like OKC has a really good season, and then Paul George decides to stick around, that suddenly you only have LeBron and, and Cousins on the market for the Lakers to go after. So yeah, there is definitely interest from the LA side and City not do well, seeing Cleveland not do well, and the New Orleans Pelicans. 
also not do well so that those three guys will decide to to look for greener pastures elsewhere. Now between Paul George, Cousins, and LeBron, if the Lakers are, if the, uh, the Lakers are looking at all three, the more likely is Paul George at number one, then Cousins and LeBron, which hypothetically has the best chance of ending up with the Lakers, Cousins or LeBron? You know, that's a that's a tough call. We've been hearing so much about LeBron to L.A. and that right. if he leaves Cleveland, he's going to be going to Los Angeles and, and all this stuff. I don't know if I really buy it just yet. Mm. I, I think if, if you're LeBron and you're looking at the conference and you look at the East versus the West, the West is a is a dogfight. I mean, it's going to be a bloodbath just to, to get to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. So if he's looking at keeping his, his streak alive of getting to the NBA Finals year after year after year, I mean, going to the West would probably not be the best bet for him. So I would still be a little bit surprised if he decided to leave. I would maybe slightly put DeMarcus Cousins ahead of him there, but I think LeBron's the guy the Lakers will pursue, and they'll pursue him pretty hard. And another point that I wanted to make here is that I think that the Lakers are in a situation where they kind of have to get two guys. They can't really just get one, or I should say that if it's, one or nothing, I think they probably get nothing. Because if you're looking at the roster, the way it's set up right now, they've got some interesting young pieces. But if you are Paul George, LeBron James, DeMarcus Cousins, one of those guys, you want to go to a team where you can win right away. Right. And I don't know if you're if you're one of those guys, if you look at the piece that puts them over the top and puts them into contention, you're probably thinking, man, i got to get me and bring somebody else with me. So LeBron and Paul George together maybe makes the Lakers one of the top teams in the West, but LeBron by himself is probably not enough to take that team all the way through the Western Conference Finals and then into the NBA Finals. So I think that's definitely going to be a factor, and it's uh, it makes the, the target for the Lakers that much harder to hit, knowing that they probably have to get two of them and not just one. Now, they also got to figure out what they're going to do with Randall. Um, I read a couple of days ago that the, it's you know unlikely that they will uh, resign Randall. There's still you know nothing set in stone. But in the event they don't resign Randall, um, would that be a good or bad thing for the Lakers? Because you know they they revolving their team around young guys with Lonzo, Clarkson, uh, Nance Jr., um, and, and Randall and some other guys, uh, Kuzma. But losing Randall would, would would that be a good or bad thing? And if he is not on the Lakers. You know what? What kind of team do you think he'll he'll end up on? Well, look, I mean, it, it all depends on what they what they get in return for losing him. If they just if they just lose him for nothing next summer, um, let's say he walks as a restricted free agent, he gets a big offer from a team, and they elect not to match it, right. and then they don't land any of those stars with their their cap space, mm-hmm. then that's a that's definitely a blow. That's a, a tough loss for the Lakers. On the other hand, if they let him walk, but then they use the cap space that they uh, that they land Paul George on James, then I mean all is all is forgiven, and that was a a solid decision. Um, the other thing they could be looking at, and this is something um, Adrian Wojnarowski was the one who started that whole you know that whole discussion of Randall being unlikely to come back next season, and he mentioned that they could be looking for a trade, could look for maybe a first-round pick in return, which wouldn't necessarily be a bad idea. The Lakers have been using Randall as their backup center this season, mm-hmm. and he's been playing really, really well. So if they could really get a first for him, they could clear his salary. 
off the books. They wouldn't have his cap hold on the books next summer and get a first-round pick and a draft that right now they don't have a first-rounder in if they can get a 2018 first. That may give them another asset that they can use either to pick a player or maybe they attach it to Lou Aldang and try to move him elsewhere in order to free up even more cap space. That gives them a little bit more flexibility, so that's something to watch for. Um, in the end, though, it's always tough seeing a guy like Randall walk away. Keeping him is going to be very, very difficult. Essentially, if they want to have two max slots underneath the salary cap, they are going to have to find a way to shed Luol Deng's contract without taking anything back Mm -hmm. and probably wouldn't be able to stretch his contract because that would still leave too much on the books. And they would also have to lose Jordan Clarkson without bringing anything back while renouncing guys like Ivita Zubats and Thomas Bryant and a few of those other pieces. So if they decide that they want to keep Randall and still go after those two max free agents, it is possible, but it's very, very difficult for the Lakers. It's not going to be an easy endeavor, and it's going to be very costly to shed Dang without taking salary back if it's even something they can do at all. So the Lakers are in an interesting spot, and, and what they do between now and the trade deadline is going to be definitely worth watching in regards to, to Julius Randle because he's a player that definitely could be on the move if the right offer comes along. So basically, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the kind of deal if they decide if they decide to to trade him, it'll be similar to what they did with uh, Russell and Moskov, where they wanted to get out of the Moskov contract, but they say, you know, in order for us to get rid of him, we got to include someone like a young guy like like Russell. So Randall might be packaged with Luau Dane because they want out of Luau Dane's contract. So a team might be enticed to take. Yeah, we'll take Dane, but as long as we know we're getting Randall in return then that's a good thing for that team, right? Yeah, potentially. I mean, if you're if you're trading Randall and Dang together, you're looking at um, that's almost $24 million in, in salary that you're sending out. It may even be a little bit more. Mm. So that's a lot. That's a lot to try to match in a deal, especially a lot to try to get in expiring contracts, assuming the Lakers don't want to take any salary back. So that's not necessarily easy. Um, I could see them maybe moving Randall for a pick and then using that pick as something to try to convince a, a team to take to take Dang. But, but yeah, you're right. I mean, ultimately they could wind up using Randall in a similar way to how they used Russell with either packaging him with Dang or using whatever asset they get from trading Randall and, and uh, putting that with Dang and using that as incentive to get a team to take him on. But, again, not an easy thing to pull off, especially since next summer we know that cap space is going to be at a premium and a lot of teams just aren't going to have that available so yeah it's, it's going to be tough and uh it's going to be a big decision for the lakers i mean they either have to keep randall or um and try to move clarkson and dang or they have to have to move clarkson i mean either way they're going to try to move dang but they've basically got to make a decision between julius randall and uh and jordan clarkson Hey Trevor, if 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 you did not mention Luau Deng to me, I, I I would have forgotten that he was on on the roster. He well, he's barely played. I think he's only <laughs> played about eight minutes or so this season. Maybe maybe a little bit more. He yeah. played in that first game, and that was that was it. He has been benched since then, and hmm. you know they are the Lakers are working on either a buyout with him or a trade if they can find a trade. But I mean, it certainly makes sense to exhaust all options as far as trading him before trying to to do a buyout. So I don't know that's going to happen anytime soon, but. We do know that they are working on doing something to move him off the roster because he's just not getting any playing time right now with the team as it's constructed. Earlier you mentioned uh, D'Angelo Russell. Now, uh, I, I, I do got a few questions uh, surrounding him. One, 
So far in Brooklyn, he's averaging 26-5. and uh, Don't know the record offhand, but uh, more aggressive, more passing. Uh, he is the, the number one option um, on Brooklyn. So, so far, what have you been uh, liking from the game of D'Angelo Russell so far? You know what, I think that from watching, I've seen a few of the Nets games. I've tried to tune into those. I've probably seen oh four or five where I've been watching just to see how D'Angelo Russell has adapted. And I've been impressed with his play out of the pick and roll. He's he's looked really sharp, and you know he's yeah. always been a, a good pick and roll player. But if it's the Nets offense, if it's just his growth, if it's uh, it could be a bit of both. But either way, it seems like he is making reads even better and faster than he did when he was with the Lakers, so that's a great thing. We are seeing him accept the burden of, of running the offense and mm. um, and taking a lot of shots. I mean, he understands that he has to score for that team, that the ball is really running through him. Defensively, he's still been really bad. Um, I haven't looked in about a week, but last I looked, he was one of the worst defensive guards in the league, so that, that has certainly been a, an issue for the Nets, and that's something that, uh, that hopefully he can work on as his career goes on. You know, I I know Lakers fans are kind of torn. I still hope that the guy has a really successful career, even though it didn't work out in, in Los Angeles. He's a, he's a player that can be a lot of fun to watch. He can throw some passes that are, are absolutely insane um, at times. So hopefully things work out for him in Brooklyn. So far, he's putting up some nice counting stats offensively. He's been a nice player for, for fantasy basketball players to, to target. But, um, but yeah, I, I've, I think he's found a good fit in Brooklyn, and then hopefully that team continues to grow and they can put some more pieces around him. And I think the most important thing with him, he he looks more comfortable. You know, you know, in the first year it was all about Kobe. We 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 saw the whole Kobe farewell tour. Year two, you know, the stuff with Nick Young and all the other stuff around uh, going on with the team. But now in Brooklyn, he's you know he's a man, the main option, more comfortable. It is his team. So I think first and foremost, that is the most important thing for uh, for me when I see him uh, play today. Yeah, absolutely. That you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, he, he definitely looks more comfortable. We saw, when he was in Los Angeles, man, we saw a lot of, not necessarily hesitation from him, but you could almost see when he was out there, mm-hmm. him trying to decide, do I need to be a passer right now or do I need to be a scorer? And it felt like he could just never quite find the right balance between those two things. Right. And it seems like he's doing that now. And so that that's great to see. It's nice to see him take that next step forward in his game. Now, when the Lakers drafted Lonzo Ball, uh, could a backcourt of Russell and Lonzo Ball, could that, could that have worked in Los Angeles? Yes and no. And, okay. and here's why I say that. We, <laughs> we discussed this like crazy. I asked, um, I asked a lot of different NBA draft experts, uh, mm-hmm. Sam Vecini and, and Mike Schmidt and guys like that. We, we went around and around about potentially pairing before the trade, potentially pairing Lonzo Ball and D'Angelo Russell. The consensus was this. I mean, if you've got Lonzo in there and then Russell as your two-guard offensively, that's great. I mean, Lonzo would have another guy that can handle the ball in case he gets pressured in certain situations. You've got a really dynamic attack, and you've got some nice shooting from D'Angelo Russell who can space the floor a little bit. He's a secondary playmaker. So offensively, that on paper anyway, that's a great fit. The defensive side of the ball is where you start to really get in trouble, and that's where you know having Contavious Caldwell Pope out there with the Lakers right now to guard the other team's best guard, whether that's their point guard or their shooting guard, that's been a really nice luxury for the Lakers to have this year because it's allowed Lonzo 
to take whoever is the easier assignment. Now, sometimes you play games like against the Portland Trailblazers where there is no easier assignment because you're either guarding McCollum or Lillard. But still, mm. for the most part, night in and night out, KCP is going to take the defensive burden of whoever is the, the other team's best offensive guard. And so that kind of eases some of the pressure on Monzo there. So it's kind of exchanging things a little bit. You're making life a little bit easier on Monzo defensively by having KCP in there with him. Whereas if you had Russell, then maybe the offense runs a little bit smoother with Lonzo Ball. So I still think it would have worked eventually long-term, but I certainly don't think the Lakers would be in the top 10 in defensive rating right now if you had that Russell and Lonzo Ball backcourt. Now, are any Laker fans that you, that you see on your Twitter timeline or do you see you know, out and about kind of regretting that the Lakers traded D'Angelo Russell to to Brooklyn for or to, to, and to draft Lonzo Ball? But, but in hindsight, if that trade doesn't happen, you don't get a guy who's averaging 15-7 and seven right now, which is Kuzma. So our Lakers like, all right, we, I didn't want to trade Russell. We got ball, but hey, listen, we got Kuzma on the roster now. Oh, for, for sure, yeah. I mean, when, when the Russell trade came down, it was torches and pitchforks. There was an you know, angry mob, <laughs> not literal angry mob, but online uh, angry mob, right? Mm. And, and people were, were not pleased that the Lakers gave up a long-term piece like Russell, in order to move Mozgov's contract. And, I mean, a lot of people forget they got Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez is a, a very good player, and he's had a solid season so far. Yeah. But still, the, the complaint was that, you know, the Lakers took, who was their number two overall pick, just uh, just a season or two seasons before, and then traded him and partially lowered his value because they attached him to Mozgov. And so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people who are still not too pleased with the deal. And I'm seeing a lot of this. You mentioned, you mentioned Kuzma. And the rationale that I'm seeing is that a lot of fans say that the Lakers would have gotten Kuzma even without the Russell trade because they had the 28th pick from Houston in mm-hmm. last year's draft. And everybody's saying, well, they would have just taken Kuzma with the 28th pick instead of with the 27th. And, of course, that's assuming that the Brooklyn Nets um, did not take Kuzma themselves with, with 27th. So, that kind of changes the equation. Like it depends on how you see that. If you like Sir Kuzma part of the trade, that 27th pick as part of the trade, then you get, you know, Brooke Lopez and Kyle Kuzma in exchange for Russell, and you get to lose Timothy Moskov's contract. Like that's not that's not a bad deal. Like you think Kuzma has been very excited about him. So that's not a bad swap at all. But there's the people who see it as well. They wouldn't have had Kuzma anyway at 28. And so they look at it more as like Brooke Lopez and Josh Hart, who the Lakers took with the 28th pick as well. They traded the pick and they also got Thomas Bryant. So they look at it as Brooke Lopez, Josh Hart, and Thomas Bryant in exchange for D'Angelo Russell and Timothy Mozgov. And then that's where you get more people wavering and saying, man, we should have just hung on to D'Angelo Russell, especially with how well he's been playing for the Brooklyn Nets. So it kind of depends on, on how you look at that trade. That's what I'm seeing as the the kind of dividing line in the fan base. So, so far, Kuzma is averaging 15-7. and seven. Um, The injury to Larry Nance happened. Uh, Larry Nance Jr. goes down. Uh, he's out for a few months. Now it gives Kuzma more time to really go out there and ball out and do his thing. What has surprised you from the game of Kyle Kuzma so far, Trevor? Well, Kyle Kuzma, I mean, let me tell you, he's, for a rookie, his poise is incredible. Mm-hmm. He is so calm and collected with the ball. His finishing has been wonderful. He's had two bad games in a row, though. I mean, a bad game against, or a rough game, anyway, against the Boston Celtics, and then he just didn't 
I've actually kind of hesitated a little bit for the first time this season. But overall, you know, you've got to be impressed with what he's shown, especially offensively, his ability to make shots. He's been hitting a lot of shots in the paint. He does a really nice job of getting out and running the floor, which is critical when you have a guy like Lonzo Ball. And I think that, honestly, as, as great as his offense has been, his defense has been underrated at this point and, and probably not talked about enough. You know, everybody showed that, that clip of um, Kyrie Irving taking him into the post, uh, doing a little move on him and turning, hitting a turnaround jumper in his face. And it was a really nice move, but it was also great defense by Kuzma. It was just an incredibly difficult shot, and Kyrie happened to hit it. And, and that's what we've seen from him this season. We've seen that he doesn't block a ton of shots, so he doesn't get a whole lot of attention for his defensive skills. But if you look at how many shots he can test, it's impressive. Every time there's a guy in his area that's putting a shot up, there's Kuzma putting a hand in his face. He closes out hard to the ball on shooters um, at the three-point line. So he's been uh, he's been very, very good. He switches very, very well, which I talked to Larry Nance Jr. about a week and a half ago, and he said that their ability to switch and their versatility has been the key to their defense this season, and that's where they really improved, of course. And then, you know, unfortunately, a couple nights later, he got hurt. But, but still, um, yeah, Kuzma has been has been absolutely wonderful. He's been a, a revelation for the Lakers, and so far, he's actually been their their best rookie statistically. Anyway, he's he's had a better performance than Lonzo. Although I don't know if that that will be the case long term. So so far, you you would agree that Kyle Kuzma is the best rookie on the Lakers right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, as of as right now, he's he's been a a more efficient player than Lonzo. You can you can argue that Lonzo has changed the culture a bit more, and Lonzo certainly has been better defensively than he was advertised to be. But until he gets that that shot to come around, mm. uh, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of focus on on that rather than the other things that he does. So, I mean, for now, I think Kuzma's probably been their their best rookie. But um, but again, it's not that's not to say Lonzo is playing poorly or anything like that. The the shooting thing gets overblown. I think a lot of people are are just looking at the shooting and they're ignoring the other good stuff that he does. So Lonzo right now averaging nine, six, and seven. You know, I guess fans expect him to, you know, want to average around fifteen a game and be more aggressive. But for for what you've been able, uh, been able to see so far, what are the pros and cons of of his game? Well, Lonzo, I mean, as far as his game goes, one of the things that's been, been really impressive, like uh, I'm not going to talk too much about his passing because everybody knows that he's a good passer. Right. He's, he's great at hitting the, the kick-ahead pass and, and all that kind of stuff. He's been, and he's been as advertised there, basically. But one of the things that is kind of underrated about his game is how good of a rebounder he is. You mentioned he's, putting up, he's getting six rebounds per game right now. I mean, that's as, a, as a point guard, that's really impressive. And as a rookie point guard, that's even more impressive. He is really doing a good job of getting back on the glass. And that's important because Gonzo, if he gets the rebound, he's immediately turning and going and igniting the fast break. So every Lonzo ball rebound is also going to turn into, in most cases, a, a fast break. So the more rebounds he gets, the better. So his ability to, to do that has been, has been really good. I think he's been doing a pretty good job of finding open shooters. Not always when he drives. Sometimes he, he misses some guys. But, you know, he just barely turned 20. He's a young kid. Kyle Kuzma is definitely older than, than him. I believe Kuzma is 22. So he's got a, a little bit more experience playing higher-level basketball than, than Lonzo does. So that's part of the reason why we've seen 
so many good things from Kuzma. But Lonzo has also been better than I thought he would be on the defensive end. I think he's, he's contested well. We saw him block three shots the other night, and uh, he's using his length really, really well to stay in front of guys. And, you know, every once in a while he gets blown by, but that's going to happen to just about anybody. So I think there's a lot of good things that Lonzo is doing out doing out there on the floor. But right now most of the talk that you're hearing is about his shooting, which has, has not been good. It's been been really bad, but hopefully that's something that will come around. And I would assume that if he decides to change his shooting form, it'll be when the season is over, not now, right? Oh, yeah. And if he – we were just talking about this on uh, on Twitter. There were people asking about you know, what what if Lonzo changes up his form? Should he look to switch? I mean, that's a, it's not like you're just tweaking his shot a little bit, right? I mean, we right. saw like Andre Drummond right now for the Detroit Pistons is suddenly hitting free throws because he tweaked his free throw motion a little bit, and now he's hitting them. Right? Last I checked, he was like at 76, 77 percent when he was shooting like 40 percent last year. Mm. So okay. that made a big difference. It was just a small tweak. But for Lonzo, I mean, his shot is so funky looking that to try to change it, I mean, you're not talking about just a minor tweak. You're talking about a total teardown. You'd have to completely start from scratch and recreate his shot that's something that, I mean, you can't even do that in one summer. Like, it's not like you can just shoot a thousand jumpers a day and his shot's just suddenly going to be fixed. That would be a complete teardown for him. And you know what? He shot really well in college. He shot well in high school. He can make those shots. They're just not going in right now. So I certainly don't think we're at the point where you have to completely reconstruct his shot right now, not at this stage. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what, what route they end up going with it. If his shooting spell continues, but right now, man, I mean, to, to try to remake his shot at this age would it, it would be a, a real serious endeavor that would take some some time. Now, so far, has the um, you know Lonzo not being always aggressive has that annoyed Laker fans? Where one game you get Lonzo going crazy against the Phoenix Suns and almost a uh, damn near a, a triple double, but then you get a polar opposite game when he's in Portland and he takes two shots. You know, how, has that been annoying to, to, to you guys over there so far? You know what? I, we've seen some complaints about it, and we've heard some fans saying, saying, oh, he just needs to be consistent and everything. But mm-hmm. but here's the thing. Like, if you talk to, to Lonzo, he does not care one bit about any of his stats. He missed getting a, a triple-double um, by one assist mm-hmm. against the Suns. And it didn't bother him at all. It, it didn't phase him. He wasn't regretful. He just said, oh, it'll come at a later time. He has no concern over whether he puts up 30 points or if he puts up two points. All he cares about is whether or not the team is doing well. I can see that on the floor, the way he plays. He takes whatever he believes is the correct option, regardless of what that means for him personally. And in a lot of ways, that's admirable. Against the Phoenix Suns, we saw him getting to the basket like crazy because the Suns were sticking to the Lakers shooters. They were sticking with Kuzma for God knows what reason. They were sticking with Corey Brewer on the perimeter, and then the Lakers would run run pick and roll, and Lonzo would just kind of walk in for a layup. So that was happening. And then in other games, they, they've been playing defenses that didn't do that, that were instead covered over to, to stop the drive, and they, he was kicking all out to the open shooter. And it makes no difference to him what he does as far as if he does as long as the team wins. And so that's what he's doing. He's reading the floor and trying to do whatever he thinks he needs to do in order to get the win. So that's 
kind of the, the explanation for why you see that fluctuation. It has more to do with what the opposing defense is doing than Lonzo going out there and deciding, okay, I'm going to shoot more today or I'm going to shoot less or whatever. It may not look like it, but do you think that any of the uh, the pressure from his dad or media or whatever the case may be or living up to the hype or being compared to you know, Jason Kidd or anything like that, has that, you think that that has affected him so far or absolutely not? You know what, from, from talking to him, you wouldn't think so. Like he's, he is direct with all of his answers to any questions. He's, he's unshakable. I mean, we've asked him all kinds of different things and, and there's nothing that, that has given him any trouble whatsoever. He always, mm-hmm. he always says exactly what you would hope a young player would say. To every single question, I mean, it's it's mind blowing how calm and collected he is in interviews and everything. But he did just the other day mention for the first time that his shooting might be in his head a little bit. He said he knows that that he can make the shots, but it, it's in his head that he's missing a little bit. So I think that's the first indication we've ever had with Lonzo of maybe something bugging him or, or getting to him. I mean, even with his brother being arrested and all that, he still said you know he was going to mm-hmm. focus on the game and and all of that. So, you know, he seems like a, a very mature young man and a guy who, who keeps his head on straight. And, uh, I mean, just about any other player, I think, would be handling things uh, not quite as well as he has, given the, the pressure that's on him and the expectations that have been placed on him. So it's been really impressive what he's done. We saw the first cracks the other day when he mentioned that his shot was kind of in his head a bit, but overall, I mean, he's done a tremendous job of, of staying focused mentally in a very tough situation. Now, Jason Kidd was on. I think I think he was on first take yesterday or day before. And, you know, they asked him about Lonzo Ball, the comparison, and so far he said, you know, um, you know, right now he feels it's it's a bit of a stretch to compare Lonzo to Jason to to himself. It's very early on in his career. He wants him to see more to be more aggressive. Um, I don't think JK was was out of line by saying that, but do you feel like so far that the the comparison to a Jason Kidd when Lonzo Ball has played like twelve games is is a bit of a stretch? You know what i I didn't get to see that segment, but and ah. maybe you you can tell me this, but. I saw it online. Somebody was talking about it and mentioned that right after. Um, I think it was Harrison Bacon who was actually talking about this, who, who writes for Lakers Nation. Um, that right after they showed a graphic of Jason Kidd's stats in his first ten games as a rookie and Monzo Ball's stats in his first ten, ten games as a rookie, and they were like incredibly. Sober. I don't know. Did did you see that? Because I didn't see the clip. Yeah, I think I think it was uh, last week. Um... You know they were debating. You know should Lonzo get a pass for, you know, you know not playing so well or not being aggressive, and then the comparison to J Kid, and they did put up both J Kid and Lonzo Ball's first first five ten games, whatever, and they are similar. But I guess, uh, you know, going back into the, the, the J Kid vault, I think he was a you know more J Kid could not shoot back in the day. He he, he finally developed a, a jump shot later on, but as far as being out there aggressive and wanting to make you know, make things happen, make that magic happen. He, Jay Kidd, back in the heyday, does look like, or did look like, he wanted to be more aggressive, whether it's shooting a lot or getting getting his teammates involved, just being up and down compared to Lonzo, where for me as a fan, it does look like a little, you know, l- you know, lackadaisical, not saying he doesn't care, but it's just a little more nonchalant than Jay Kidd's attitude. 
Yeah, I can I can see that. I mean, they they have a different personality. You know, when you look at them statistically, they they are pretty similar. I mean, both can rebound really really well for their position, and, and both like to pass the ball and can can really control in transition and and all of that. So there's a lot of similarities there. But personality wise, yeah, they are they are pretty different. So I, I get that. And and to your point, you know, it's it's not really fair to compare a, a rookie to a, a all-time great point guard already at this stage in his career. Right. And maybe that's partially what, what kid was getting at there. I don't know. But, yeah, it's um, it's something, though, where, where Lonzo has seen that kind of consistently. I mean, I mean Magic Johnson in the press conference um, announcing or, or introducing Lonzo Ball after they, they picked him, he was talking about Lonzo breaking his records and mm-hmm. how he going to be the new face of the franchise. I mean, doing nothing to try to settle down any of the expectations for him. So, yeah, I mean, Lonzo at this point has to be used to to some pretty high expectations placed upon him, whether it's fair or not. So two quick things on Lonzo and J.K. I'm looking at it right now. On the left-hand side, it has Lonzo, right-hand, Jake, uh, J. Kidd. J. Kidd in the first 11, 11 games uh, on a round of 10 Ten points, six assists, seven rebounds, thirty-five percent from the field, fifteen percent from threes. Lonzo was nine, uh, seven assists, six rebounds, thirty percent from the field, and twenty-three percent from three-point range. So kind of similar. So yeah, I mean, I mean, there you go. That's, that, I mean, aside from the the points, that's pretty similar. I don't know how many shots kid was was taking at that stage, but um, but then people also forget is. You know, the lasting memory of Jason Kidd for a lot of people is is Kidd hitting a lot of threes. I mean, which he yeah. did later on in his career. Again, when he was with Dallas, he almost he basically didn't shoot twos. He he pretty much only shot threes. Uh, and it took him a long time to develop that. Though it took a, a long career for him to develop that three point shot. Lonzo was twelve games into his career, so you know, it's if his shot's not falling right now, it's going to take him some time to to figure that out. And to quickly read off what J. Kidd said verbatim, he said, I think the first thing is, does someone want to play hard for 48 minutes and are you willing to do anything to win? And so far, it's still very early in his career. And as someone said earlier, it is it is a stretch to compare me to him. He has to understand what it means to play hard and what it means to win and how to win at the highest level. And that does take time. In three years, hopefully, there's a better comparison. But right now, it's a, it is a, a stretch, and he has a way to go. Well, you know, he's in there. It sounds as though he's questioning how how hard Lonzo plays. Mm-hmm. I haven't really seen that. I haven't seen any plays where I've like thought thought, oh man, Lonzo just just kind of let up there, or he gave up on a play, or, or anything like that. Uh, I get where maybe he has a, a little bit of a relaxed style, and, and you know maybe a little bit of this is me watching D'Angelo Russell so much in seasons past, where he gets you know nicked all the time for for not having the energy on the floor and that hurts or anything like that. So comparing him to that, I don't really see an energy letdown from Lonzo. I don't really see him not playing hard. But again, I, that could just be me, but. I don't really see uh, any issues with him as far as, as competing on, on every play. Real quick, what has been their most impressive um, impressive win so far? Do you think it's the game against Washington or the game against Memphis? Oh, man, between the two. Um, 
Or Detroit you know, the, the or game, Phoenix or Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean any of like Detroit was on a was on a hot streak. They were playing really, really well, so getting that win was was certainly impressive. Um, Memphis, they barely uh, hung in there and got the win at the end. I, I guess I'll go with, with Washington just because I thought the teams like Washington would cause the most problems, and we saw that when the Lakers played the Wizards the second time when they played in Washington. I thought they would cause the most problems because you can't hide Lonzo at all because if you've got two really good guards like Washington has in Bradley Beal and John Wall, then Lonzo's got to guard one of them. And being veterans, being hyper-athletes, these guys are probably going to figure out a way to take advantage of, of Lonzo. And we saw that in the second Washington matchup. We didn't see it so much in the first one. I know the Lakers did try to hide Lonzo a little bit when they could, but for the most part, I thought he competed really well, and I was impressed with his ability to stay in front of John Wall. Everybody referenced that huge dunk that John Wall had going to his left when he blew by Lonzo, but for the rest of the game, whenever they were matched up, Lonzo did a pretty nice job on him of contesting all of the shots and staying in front whenever he can. I mean, it's John Wall. The guy's a blur. So it's not it's not like he's going to be able to stay in front of him all the time. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll say that one. I'll say the win over Washington was the most impressive because I think it was the, the biggest hurdle for them to, to overcome, to, to pick up that win. And uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll go with that one. Are we going to continue seeing these point guards really go at uh, Alonzo Ball all year? We saw with, with, with Beverly, he he only shot twice against Lillard. He played John Wall twice. We all knew the whole thing with John Wall. Like he wasn't he going to show him no mercy. But then LA won that game. Are we going to continue seeing these point guards really go at Alonzo for the whole season? Oh yeah, absolutely, and and they should. I mean, I I don't know. There's this this narrative out there that point guards or, or whoever, other teams are going to go right after Lonzo Ball because of things that his dad is. I don't know. I mean, did Patrick Beverly play better defense on him because his dad was saying stuff, or would Patrick Beverly do that to any rookie? I mean, Patrick Beverly does what Patrick Beverly does, right? He's a he's a good defender. That's, that's his M.O. In the, in the league. So I don't know that they're going to play necessarily like tougher or more physical on Lonzo or something because of of things his dad is saying, but I think as a rookie, they're going to they're gonna go at him. They're going to see, you're going to take whatever advantage you can get. I mean, we've seen that pretty consistently throughout the NBA, that if players have an advantage somewhere, they, they try to take it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm expecting to see guys still go at Lonzo and, and try to test him and everything, but um, we'll see how he handles it. So far, he's done a really nice job of just keeping his head in it and, and not getting too wrapped up in the individual matchups. One more guy that is doing well on the Lakers, and I, I you know, I don't want to forget him. It, it, it is uh, Brandon Ingram, averaging 15 a game so far, um, along with Kuzma and Ball and, and all, the, all these new guys. Um, how can you categorize his development in year two for Brandon Ingram? I mean, he's been he's been impressive. He's made some really nice plays. I mean, the the Lakers entire team they. Last I checked, I don't know if it's still the case after the Washington game, but last I checked, they were number one in the league in points in the paint. They've put an emphasis on attacking the rim, and Brandon Ingram has been a big part of that. He's attacking the basket like crazy, slashing to the rim. He's finished some alley-oops and things like that. Had a couple of nice dunks driving down the lane when, when he gets a step on a guy. And he shot just well enough from, from the three-point land to, to keep defenses honest. And I mean, that's... 
you couldn't ask to see anything more from Ingram as a second-year player right now, given the deficiencies we saw last season with his ability to finish at the rim. That was questionable, and his outside shot wasn't really falling. It seems like he's he's definitely made strides in both of those areas. He's not a, a perfect player. He's not an all-star eating at this point. He's real progress, and that's, that's encouraging. I mean, Ingram was, was taking a lot of flack last year, but remember, he's only... He's about a month older, maybe five weeks, six weeks older than Alonzo Ball. He very easily could have been in this year's draft. He was one of the youngest players in the league last season. I mean, he's he's younger than Josh Jackson, who was who was taken in this year's draft. So, Brandon Ingram, you got to keep in mind how young he is, and that's just going to take a little bit of time for him to, to develop. And the fact that we are seeing this improvement is a very very good sign. And we're also hearing that he's being more and more vocal in the locker room and out on the practice floor and out on the court. He's taking that upon himself to take on a a leadership role. So, I mean, I don't really have anything negative to say about Ingram at this point. He's playing some some very good basketball and and excited about his future. You know, this is a kid who could um, could become a a good player down the road. Mm -hmm. And tomorrow night you guys have Milwaukee in Milwaukee, uh, newly acquired point guard Eric Bledsoe from Phoenix. Um, I believe he's starting tomorrow as well. So how do you think the matchup with Lonzo and, and, and Eric Blesso will go down? Oh, man. See, I just saw that. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's starting tonight, and I don't remember who they're playing, who Milwaukee plays tonight. So they actually play the Lakers on the second night of back-to-back. But he's going to start from Milwaukee tonight, so he's going to get his feet wet tonight, and he'll be all set and ready to play the Lakers tomorrow. So that's uh, Lakers fans are like going, ah, oh, are you kidding me? And, and you know Eric Bledsoe is going to have revenge on his mind after Alonzo kind of took it to him oh, yeah, um, yeah. In, the, in the Phoenix game. Forgot about so that. So back when he was with the – go ahead. No, I so say, yeah, I, I totally forgot about that. And, and they do play San Antonio tonight in San Antonio. So, yeah, a, a kind of revenge game for Bledsoe, huh? Yeah, and so I'm – here's the thing. Like, I I mentioned this online. I saw people, a bunch of people say, oh, well, Lonzo killed him in Phoenix and everything. I'm like, well, he got hung up in a lot of pick and rolls and everything. But mm-hmm. Eric Bledsoe on the Milwaukee Bucks on a team that, that should make the playoffs, I think you're going to see a much more motivated Bledsoe than we did in, in Phoenix for a team that shut him down at the end of last year and clearly is not trying to make the playoffs or anything this year. So he's going to be locked in. Plus, you look at what Milwaukee's got alongside him. I mean, my goodness, trying to attack the perimeter against the Milwaukee Bucks now when they've got Eric Bledsoe, who's a very, very good long-wind defender, mm-hmm. and then you've got Chris Middleton, and then you've got Ante DiCupo. I mean, that that's going to be quite a task. So, yeah, uh, they do match up with, with Eric Bledsoe again, and Lonzo will get another shot at him. I think that um, they'll still try to put him in pick and roll and see what happens. I don't think they're going to see the same result as what they saw against the Phoenix Suns. So I think that's going to be that's going to be a tough matchup for Lonzo. But you know what, Milwaukee on the second night of a back-to-back, maybe they're a little bit tired. Maybe the Lakers can catch them. Never know. Or maybe not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, if they if they play the way they played like the first quarter against the Celtics the other night, then it, yeah, they're going to be in for a long night because that was a, a really poor performance. But. We've seen flashes from this team that they can they can stick with some of the better teams in the league when they're really playing at their best. So that's kind of what they have to hope for that the Lakers can play at their best, and that maybe Milwaukee will be a step slow. But um, but yeah, no no guarantee of that. That's for sure. 
Real quick, uh, turning to the Eastern Conference, is, is there a team or player? Okay, let's say out of, outside of Giannis because he's you know averaging thirty one a game. But is there a team or player that has kind of surprised you so far for the positive? Uh, let's see, a pleasant surprise. Well, Victor Oladipo, and I yeah, mean Victor yeah. Oladipo for the Indiana Pacers has been been really really good, and mm. it's been surprising everybody destroyed, myself included, destroyed the Paul George trade because Oladipo wasn't that good in Oklahoma City. Right. And Sabonis wasn't either. And Sabonis has actually been really good, too. Uh, Miles Turner was out for a while with a concussion, and, and Sabonis did a really nice job stepping in for him for Indiana. So Oladipo is the first guy to, to jump to mind. Now, DeMarcus Cousins has been killing it, too. He's hitting. He's leading the league in threes for a center right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been playing just out of his mind. But, yeah, the the biggest surprise has been Oladipo and how good he's been for the Pacers. This has been a more competitive Pacers team than anyone expected, and Oladipo has been a, a huge part of that. It seems like he's getting tons of steam. He's, he's finishing plays, so yeah, he, he definitely is at the top of my list for guys that have been a, a surprise part this year. How about this? Uh, you you might know him. How about this seven uh, three guy in New York? That that uh, that Porzingis guy, <laughs> yeah, that that unicorn character, <laughs> the, the unicorn guy. Man, he's been he's been phenomenal. But I didn't put him on there because I'm a little worried about that elbow. Uh, what's uh, what's the story with that? Uh, I I he missed the the Orlando game with a a sprained ankle, a sprained left ankle, I think, or right, whichever one. And then something with the elbow. Um, I, I don't know what, what the term is, but they said, hey, he's out for tonight, ankle injury and elbow something. And even Porzingis said that he's going to want to get a surgery after the year is over. So maybe it's a little cause for, uh, for concern, but uh, hopefully not because I tell you, Trevor, I've been to, 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 to two Nick games so far, and the atmosphere is just phenomenal. It's crazy. There's a buzz in the city. Um with this team, there's no Phil Jackson. There's no mellow stuff. There's no drama going on. It's, it's a, uh, a clean, fresh slate for for New York. And as long as Porzingis can play and be healthy, th- this team does have a chance to, to in fact make the playoffs. The the Eastern Conference is is a little different this year. There's no Paul George in it. There's no Jimmy Butler in it. There's no Melo. Um, you know, even the Gordon Haywood injury goes down, and it. it it seems like Boston could be, you know, not the clear favorite, but so far they're ten and two. They they won ten in a row, so a lot of things are happening within the Eastern Conference. But as far as Porzingis goes, if he remains healthy and plays, you know, you know, seventy games, seventy five games, I think they'll make the playoffs. But so far, the buzz and the energy is here in in New York, man. Well, yeah, he's uh, man. He's been really, really good. Uh, I don't remember. Gosh, who was the the team he was playing the other night? Game clock winding down. He's at the top of the three point line. They they kind of hedge on him. They think that he's going to pull back and shoot a jumper, and he just blows by him and gets the finger roll. I don't remember who that was that he was playing. Um, that was an impressive move for a guy that's seven three. That was that was Charlotte. That's right. Yeah, and that was, uh, you know, the Knicks are picking up some wins. But let me ask you this. This is the first thing that, that popped in my head when you started talking about them and making the playoffs and everything. Uh-huh. Um, could you could you make the argument that they are better off long-term if they don't make the playoffs? Um, I don't I, I, I don't know, man. I, I really – because, you know, some fans in the beginning, when they were like 0-3, 
fans were like, hey, man, it is what it is. We'll, we'll, we'll lose some games. We'll get the, the, the Porter guy from, from college and some other guys, and we'll just, you know, not tank it, but we'll just, you know, not win. Then all of a sudden, the Knicks and Porzingis, they, they, make, a, they make a turn for that corner, and now they're winning games. Right. I think that the, the, the dynamic is different. We're like, hey, man, you know, we don't have to really lose all these games, you know, unless something drastic happens. But if we're playing well, we're all healthy, uh, we're clicking, there's chemistry, there's, there's no BS around the, the team, Let's, why not try to make the playoffs? So right now they're 6-5, they're and five, tied for fifth, you know, just, you know, first 10, 11 games. You know, usually New York is like two and nine, three and ten, but right now we're above five hundred, better record than than the Cavs, the Bucks, um, Indiana, Hornets, Miami, a lot of teams who people had you know making the playoffs. So I did say in the beginning of the year that they could make the playoffs. It wasn't looking too bright for me when they were zero and three, but when when you got a guy that uh, is averaging 30, uh, 30 points a game um, and clearly unguardable, he can shoot over anybody that, that defends him. And if this guy is healthy and he's 21, 22, I believe, I mean, sky's the limit. But if they can make the playoffs and, and have that opportunity to do so, why not? But to try to tank and lose games on purpose, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, think, I don't think the fans are willing to, to, to want that. Oh no, I, I definitely wouldn't do that. I mean, you've got you've got all that energy and everything right now, and you've got some positive vibes in New York for a franchise that has that has struggled recently. And yeah, I mean, I definitely wouldn't want to try try to lose games on purpose or anything like that. But I'm just thinking thinking long term. Like if Porzingis's elbow ends up being an issue, and hopefully it's not. Hopefully he plays the entire season. Everything right. is great. They make the playoffs, make a run, and they're a feel good story and all that. But it should something go wrong? Should he need surgery on his elbow sooner than than what he expected, or, or something like that? I just think back to the you know this whole Spurs dynasty that's been created by them landing Tim Duncan. Mm-hmm. The, the year they had David Robinson, Robinson go down, a few other guys go down, and then they get Tim Duncan, and then they get or hit him with David Robinson, and go on to make the playoffs for the last like million years, right? So if the Knicks can somehow get you know, if they if they start losing games, if things turn south, there's still a silver lining to it because if you get one of the guys at the top of next year's draft and then pair him with Porzingis, man, I mean the the future just looks that much brighter. But but 100%, you're right. If they continue winning, if they can make a playoff run, hey, do it. I mean, the positive vibes will be be worth it, and then who knows what kind of value that has to free agents and all that kind of stuff. But just you know, even if things don't work out perfectly, there's still a lot to be hopeful for, especially if they get one of those top picks. And to give you a brief injury injury report, it is a bruised elbow, but uh, I think I think he got he he that happened in the Charlotte game. Um, he said that every time that he gets hit, it just swells up and it becomes sensitive, and that he can't stretch he can't stretch his arms. So I guess you know it, it does bother him, but you know I don't know. I, do, do you sit him out for a couple games, or I I, I don't know what the thing is, but fans. When when the fans find out he's not playing in Orlando, they're like, hey, what's going on? Like they they thought it was a thing where they did they are kind of monitoring him playing the back to backs. Okay, it was Charlotte then then the following night in Orlando, but now a bruised elbow that can that can be constant pain throughout the year. I hope that he doesn't further injure that elbow where like he might miss five games or ten games, and you know I get I guess they gotta play you know play play close. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they they got to be they got to worry about his long term health. If it's something that he can just play through and it's a little bit uncomfortable and he's not going to do any damage to it, right? And I don't I don't know if that's the case or not. But then then maybe you push him a, a little bit. But if it's something where you know he can do damage, then then maybe they look at giving him more rest or something to try to try to let that thing heal up. But I'm sure that they they'll err on the side of caution when it comes to to Porzingis. I mean. Hey, they they found a, a star with the with the fourth pick in the draft and a draft where everybody was saying that he was the had the highest potential of being a bust, that he was gonna get pushed around and everything, and turns out that was far from the case. So uh, so yeah, I mean they found that star. That's the hardest thing to do in the NBA is find that first star. So so they're um, they're in a, in a good spot with him, especially the way he's playing right now, because it's only a matter of time before some free agents start to see how well he's playing and they start thinking, man, I'd, I'd like to go play alongside that guy. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, real quick, I do I, I do want to thank your Lakers for not drafting him number two two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, man? That's, I, I hear that all the time, and, and it I hear, uh, you know, oh, we should have taken Porzingis. And, yeah, there's no question they, mm. they should have. But at the time, even I was saying, you know, they, that they needed to take somebody else that, Porzingis didn't make sense because they already had Julius Randle in place and he was going to be their power forward of the future and, right. and all that, and that he was just so high risk to take Porzingis. But at the at the fourth pick, the risk was was minimal because of where, where they were selecting and everything. So, But, yeah, um, short answer is uh, you're welcome, I guess. <laughs> hey, man, you know, Phil Jackson is no longer, you know, with the team, but you are going to start hearing, hey, you know, Phil Jackson did draft Porzingis. He did draft, you know, Nilakina. So, you know, he's not here no more, but his fingerprints are still here. Yeah, sure, they they are. I mean, but I guess the counter to that is, is you know, who else was he going to draft at at four? Porzingis kind of was the, the clear pick there. It wasn't, it's not like he had the number one overall pick and then he made some, some bold decision to take yeah. Porzingis ahead of some other guys or something like that. So, you know, I mean, Phil, I think Phil probably gets a little bit too much grief, although, you know, he did make a lot of mistakes there in, in New York, but still, um, I don't know. What What about, you mentioned uh, Nilakina. He's uh, he's doing okay there, but I I was kind of scratching my head wondering why they didn't take Dennis Smith Jr. there. Is, that, is he doing enough to where Knicks fans aren't worried about that right now, or are they are they still kind of wishing they took Dennis Smith Jr.? Um. I think it's fifty fifty. I think it's um again, fans wanted Smith. I think they wanted some other guy. it could have been Fox. I'm not sure if Fox was taken before or right after, but Dennis Yeah, was, he was before. Okay, so so Smith was a guy that they were wanting because they saw the highlights and him jumping out, out the gym and all of a sudden boom, we get Frank Nilakina and everybody okay, another guy that we don't really know too much about, like poisoning is he might be good, he might be great, or he might be a bust, but let's see how how it works out. But so far he playing pretty decently. I know he was hurt the first couple of games, so he didn't he, he did not play, but uh very, very poised, um takes his shots when when, when it's available, does not do too much. Uh, I think he's he, done very well on defense uh so far but uh not not so much of tape on him for me to be like you know he's he's this a uh, few more games then i would see what kind of player he can potentially be but i think so far if he's if he's not always hurt then that's a big plus for new york right yeah if he can if he can stick with it then um and stay in there then hey that's gonna be great hopefully he works out you know hopefully he ends up being the player that uh, that Phil thought he would be. 
Yeah, I think I think he might be a starter next year. I think right now we got Jared Jack and some other guys there, but you know we got to figure out what we're gonna do when Noah comes back, and I think we, we're gonna have to cut somebody. It might be Jack. It might be Ramon Sessions. I I don't know, but I think by by next year, uh, Frank will be the starting point guard for the Knicks. Well, we'll see how he does. Hopefully, you know this this rookie class has been been awfully good and awfully promising. So. Yeah, hopefully he's able to take those strides and uh, and then claim that starting role. That'll just give uh, New York one more solid young prospect to build around. I mean, have have him plus Porzingis. That's a great start, and then you can add a few more pieces in next year's draft, and and off you go. Definitely, man. Definitely, Trevor Lane at uh, on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane, senior writer for Lakers Nation, host of the Lakers Nation podcast. How often do you do your podcast, and where can be, uh, where can fans find it? We publish at least once a week. It's always it's always on on Mondays. We always have a, an episode that publishes Monday morning, mm-hmm. and then occasionally we'll do a midweek show that publishes on Thursday if there's something else going on. We also do a a shorter show called the Lakers Nation Newsfeed, and that that's usually a few times a week. That one's only about ten to fifteen minutes long, and we're just talking about a breaking news story. So, like right. uh, this last week, we talked about Julius Randle potentially being traded and everything going on with with that situation, and then we also did another show on the possibilities of Lou Aldang either getting traded or getting bought out. So that type of stuff. We'll address, like, one topic on one of those more quick-hitter shows. So we have so we have both those that are coming out throughout the week uh, with the full-length pod always dropping on Mondays, and then occasionally we'll throw it in on, like, a Thursday if there's something, you know, spectacularly huge going on. Cool, man. Uh, my last real question for you, uh, your neighbor, the Clippers, uh, they're 5-5, five and five, no Chris Paul. Blake Griffin's now the, the, the guy, the main option. They do get some other guys, you know, Gallo and Beverly, uh, Lou Williams. What, what have you been able to see so far with the Clippers? I mean, when you look at the, at the Clippers, I'm amazed at how well Blake Griffin is playing, especially his ability to shoot the three suddenly. I mean, he is a, now a legit three-point yeah. shooter. And, and, I mean, I didn't see that coming. I figured he would eventually be able to step out and hit them a little bit, maybe hit the corner three or something. But, no, man, he is, he is hitting from all over the place. We've seen a little bit of spring this step, not quite like young Blake where he was just getting up and dunking all over everybody. Mm-hmm. We're still seeing him get up and throw, throw the ball down a bit more than we did last season. So that's really been powering them. And their defensive identity has been really, really solid. Patrick Beverly has helped a lot with that. They're playing some some really wonderful defense. So we'll see if they can keep that up. We know uh, Gallinari is hurt right now. He bruised his hip, but he should be back be back pretty soon. But still, overall, I think the Clippers have exceeded expectations, at least at this point. A lot of teams thought they would be kind of a fringe playoff team, but so far, so good for them. And if they can keep it up on the defensive end and Blake can keep going strong and not get hurt, then they, I mean, they should be right there in the mix in the West. Well, Trevor, uh, good luck to your Lakers and good luck to my Knicks for the remainder of the season. The NBA is always better when L.A. does well, with New York, Philly, Boston uh, all doing well. So um, hopefully Lonzo can uh, be more aggressive, change his freaking shot already, and uh, you know, stop, stop all the hating from the haters so far. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Best of luck to the, for the rest of the season, and hopefully the, the Knicks and Lakers will have a couple of fun games here this year. Exactly. Lakers, Knicks, NBA Finals in two years. <laughs> yes. Let's, let's book it. <laughs> Trevor Lane, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks a lot, Randy. Thanks for having me on. All right, man. Take it easy.